we've kind of found that a lot of businesses spend so much time fine-tuning their websites to be the best version of the website that they can be. And for good reason, you know, you want it to look good, you want it to have the best CRO it possibly can have. But then why don't you apply exactly the same principles to email? What's the disconnect there? Welcome back to the Honest Marketing Podcast, where you learn proven strategies to grow your business without selling your soul. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, and today we're diving into all things email marketing. My guests, Andre and Alex, uh, work with the agency CodeCrew.us, where they specialize in performance email marketing for brands and businesses that are looking to drive tangible results in their business from their emails. And so I pepper them with all kinds of questions as far as how do you do A-B tests and what kinds of e emails do you send? What uh, key indicators do you look at to decide if an email is working or not? And then just the general landscape of how are brands and businesses using emails right now to drive results for their business. So if you are a business owner that is engaging in email newsletters and weekly newsletters and promotions and campaigns, you'll definitely want to stick around for this episode because there's a lot of really practical things that they share that they do internally with their agency that I think will really help you in your business. As always, make sure to stick around to the very end where I'll give you my number one takeaway from the interview. But here it is, let's dive in. So Andre, Alex, the reason that I'm so excited to talk to you guys and about the work that you're doing at Code Crew is because even though I've been doing email marketing for seven or eight years, I still ver feel very much like a novice because there's always things that are shifting. There's always things that are changing. And so I'm just really excited about kind of getting the current state of what's working for brands e-commerce brands, B2B brands, and all the kinds of clients that you work with. So thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. And yeah, to your point, email is shifty. Uh, well, maybe that's not the right term for it, but it's always changing. It's funny because even though it's probably one of the oldest digital marketing channels out there, it's uh, it's always evolving every single day. I mean, uh, what, a couple of years ago, well, I say every single day, and then I reference something a couple of years ago. We had uh, the <laughs> iOS, what was it, 15, 14? I'm too old to remember anymore. Uh, change going on. Then there's some Gmail stuff going on recently. I mean, yeah, every single day is a new day. And it's pretty fun, pretty awesome that, uh, you know, we get to work with such a historic channel. But we always get to learn something new every single day that we come to the office. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're enjoying it. I'll tell you that. Yeah, because I, I definitely wanted to ask about the, the Apple stuff because that's something that I know about. Um, but I think what I would really love to to learn right off the bat is, how are businesses using email right now to effectively drive sales and growth in their business? Uh, you know, because email marketing has kind of become one of those basic things that most people know they should be doing alongside SEO and having a website and having some social media presence. Email marketing typically fits in there, but that doesn't mean that they're doing it well, right? Just because you're doing it. So I would love to hear uh, how are businesses leveraging email marketing right now specifically to drive business and to drive sales? Great question. And honestly, uh, it kind of makes me laugh because uh, we've been working for this financing client recently who is pretty much the grandfather of financing um, as a, a, a brand name. And, um, you know, something that very frequently gets referenced within our texts is that anybody can give, can give you financing uh, advice. Uh, even your mother or your grandmother, that doesn't mean that they know squat <laughs> about it, you know. Uh, if you're going to invest in the next best 
stock that a friend recommends, you're always going to um, have quite a risky endeavor at, at trying to grow that uh, capital, right? So it's kind of the same with email. I actually remember not too long ago, somebody getting back to us from a cold email outreach that we had done saying pretty much, why would I ever pay for email marketing? It's something that I can do in my sleep. Um, and it's funny because that's very true but also very untrue because you never know when it hits you. Um, and by it, I mean things like deliverability issues, things like inboxing issues. When do you actually break your list without knowing that you're doing so and uh, will, will eventually be unable to sell them anything more because you've been doing it wrong all this time? So I think that a lot of uh, folks are unfortunately kind of taking email for granted a lot of times because it's such a powerful channel. You have the data available at your fingertips. If the CEO wants to send an email by 2 p.m., uh, they do that every single day out of the week and um, very few people can tell them not to. And you know, that's where an agency like ours comes in and uh, not only gives uh, brands a lot of structure, but a lot of strategy as well. Because doing things just because you wake up uh, on a certain side of the bed every single morning is definitely not a strategy to go by. Or just by referencing your PNL and spotting the fact that you're a little down on the monthly, so let's shoot out an email to everybody, let's see how that does. Probably not the best email marketing strategy out there that you can employ. So we're doing a lot of things from segmentation to making sure that we know who every single customer is. We're obviously building all sorts of different automations and flows. And um, I think as of the last three to five years here, it's been a lot more about learning uh, on a more personal level who your customer is individually and being able to deliver them emails that they will truly care about rather than just batch and blasting which has definitely been a practice um, that is thankfully in the agency space deprecated-ish. Uh, unfortunately, in the non-agency space, a lot of brands are still batch and blasting their email lists uh, to the ground. Um, so I'm not sure if that fully answers your question, but it's definitely kind of a, a small nugget of information. If uh, somebody doesn't take anything else, else out of the entire podcast, uh, this should definitely be something that they, they should be focusing on. Just having more structure and more segmentation and sending proper stuff, it helps. Well, and I think you touched on the thing that makes or breaks the effectiveness of email is, is it the right email sent to the right person at the right time? Because, you know, nobody wants a newsletter they don't care about, even if they signed up for six months ago, right? And, you know, when I've seen people say email marketing doesn't work, and then I ask more questions, it's, well, no, we don't segment. No, we're not cleaning our list frequently. You know, no, we're not personalizing it and making it relevant. We're, we're sending an email because it's good for us to get more sales, not necessarily because it's good for them to read and consume and it's helpful for them. So I love that you highlighted that uh, and, and pointed out some of the core things that I do want to dig into a little bit, which is when you're working with a new client, you kind of touched on some of these things. What are the common mistakes that you see them making prior to working with you? Because I imagine the reason they approach Code Crew or an agency like yours is because they're like, we know email is important. We're not doing it as well as we could be doing it. And we don't necessarily know why it's not working. Otherwise, we would be trying to do those things ourselves. So what are those common mistakes that you see when you bring new clients on and you start taking over uh, their email marketing? 
Well, it's funny you ask, and it's funny Dre was just talking about what he was, because as he was, I was thinking, oh, I know which client this was, I know which client this was, I know which <laughs> client this was. Um, but all in all, you know, I, I think everything you touched on is really something that we see in one shape or form come in, you know, the, the lead pipeline as, you know, an issue with that contact or that client. So uh, I'd say some of the most common mistakes that we see is definitely improper segmentation. Um which leads to spam issues, which leads to deliverability issues, which leads to, you know, just the program not even working. Then the client or the lead ends up coming in our door saying, hey, why do I get no, reg- no revenue anymore when I used to get, you know, I don't know, 10 grand from every single email. And, you know, usually it's just improper practices, just, you know, snowballing into something that uh, unfortunately just kind of kills a program, um, to put it as simply as I can. On top of that, you know, we've kind of found that a lot of businesses spend so much time fine-tuning their websites to be the best version of the website that they can be. And for good reason, you know, you want it to look good. You want it to have the best CRO it possibly can have. But then why don't you apply exactly the same principles to email? What's the disconnect there? You you see brands that have really amazing websites and really great uh, flows throughout those websites. And then you go to their email and they're basically just a, a piecemeal of things that somebody with not a lot of experience put together using a drag and drop builder. So, you know, again, where exactly is that disconnect? I think obviously the biggest mistakes, as Alex was mentioning, um, segmentation, making sure you're actually saying something proper. But then a lot of times we're seeing things like the email itself um, being subpar. There is no calls to actions. There's very little in the realm of actually trying to put some time into designing those emails. And it's kind of funny because design is a big part of what we do here. And we've actually found and proven through uh, A-B testing on our end that um, taking the time needed to build a proper design that actually is attractive can pay dividends. And we've seen engagement spike just because of the fact that we were uh, more attentive with the designs that we were putting out there. So I think it's a lot that um, brands that are doing email don't really realize they're doing wrong because um, we tend to build an audit every single time we talk to a lead before we even sign them. We, uh, we like sending our thoughts across just so we can kind of align on what we think the priorities are and what they think the priorities are. And uh, a lot of times, again, uh, these audits uh, tend to be at least a couple of pages long, filled with really things that don't take a lot more than five minutes each to make sure you do right. But people just don't um, treat email with enough TLC to be able to kind of uh, make sure that they tick those checks, check boxes with regards to some of these best practices. Again, things like making sure you have a CTA, making sure every single image throughout that email is hyperlinked, making sure that uh, your logo doesn't cover, I don't know, a thousand pixels of, uh, of height throughout that email so you can get bored before you actually get to the email itself, uh, things like that. Okay, so a couple things I want to double back on because I'm genuinely curious. I've heard by everyone and their brother, you got to segment your list. It's like, okay, how, to what degree, how many layers, how complicated of a web am I creating here? Do I need to segment down to like, okay, this person from Des Moines, Iowa, who has two kids and is a soccer coach, like, is that the level of segmentation or is it like, like, how do you approach that? Cause you know, you can segment to the point where it's not even helpful anymore. 
because then you're just sending an email to like three people out of 5,000. But you do want some segmentation so you can tailor those email messages to the right audience, especially from a sales perspective, at the right point in their buying journey. So what is your approach to segmentation? How do you segment lists uh, in order to, to balance that really well? So we aim for those two soccer coaches in Des Moines. Uh, that's, that's really <laughs> all of our segments. Uh, fun aside, um, you know, as part of the audit, actually, that Andre was just mentioning, you know, we dig into the segmentation that's existing. Um, and honestly, no two business are, businesses are the same. And we have some businesses that we work with, which, which are, um, you know, just entirely subscription-based, subscription models. We have some which, uh, you know, are just their cadence is already high. They don't want to lower it. So, you know, we have to base a segmentation more on just engagement overall. Um, you know, it really depends. We have purchasers and non-purchasers. Again, uh, you know, these are some of the most common ones that we see uh, actually working well. But, you know, that being said, again, every single business is so different that what's actually going to drive the revenue could be entirely different from one to another, even if they're in the same space. Yeah, and actually something really important on that segmentation note is you need to look at the business model itself, right? So, for instance, just to give a proper example here and then people can probably extrapolate from it. We used to work with this CBD company that literally had CBD for everything and anything uh, for people, uh, chewables, edibles, smokables, for pets, for horses. So you probably don't want to send, I don't know, dog uh, CBD to somebody that's never bought dog CBD in their life ever because the likelihood of them having a dog or a horse even is pretty slim. So unless they've bought horse CBD, don't send them horse CBD related emails would probably be a pretty straightforward, pretty easy thing to do. So that's where the segmentation can come in and kind of categorize the type of different uh, items that somebody might be uh, able to buy from you. Even more recently, we've been talking to somebody that's in the jewelry slash uh, expensive watch space. Again, if Alex went on to look for, I don't know, a 50 uh, grand Rolex and uh, you happen to have him in your email list, he's probably not going to be interested in the necklaces. I'm just going to take a wild guess here um, unless he specifically looks for necklaces on your website, in which case you can look for that user activity and target him specifically for that and make sure his wife is going to love him a, a little bit extra throughout the next few weeks. Um, otherwise, just send him watches. Uh, get that 50 grand from him, I guess. No, that totally makes sense. So, Because the way that I've always thought about it is at the very least, you want to segment people that are kind of they, they've popped on your list through a lead magnet or some kind of free offer they know who you are they haven't bought anything from you yet versus people that have bought from you and then knowing which specific products or services they've bought so that way you can tailor future communications with that context right because like you said like if you are trying to sell a new product or, or sell an existing product to a list send that sale to someone who's already bought it right? It'd be like if you bought a car and then the next week you got an email saying, hey, why don't you come by and buy a new car? It's like, that's what I, I was just there. I, I just bought a car. Why are you sending me an email to buy another car? Um, so that makes sense. I'm really curious how you commingle website data. So time on the website, page they looked at, you know, uh, maybe abandoned cart capture, things like that, and bring that in your segmentation um, are you building automations for those things? Uh, what platform software are you using or have you seen that work well? Uh, specifically thinking about if someone's wanting to do this for themselves, 
you know, because if they work with an agency like yours, you're going to handle all of this. Uh, but if they're wanting to implement some of these best practices, what are some good platforms and software they can use to bring some of that data in to help with their email segmentation? So we're fortunate that as you know, one of our founding pillars will work with literally any platform out there. So we've had the ability to, you know, work with everything, you know, the greatest to the worst. Um, I, I think Andre and I can both test to, you know, a, a few of them being better than the rest, you know, just over time, you know, we've been working with, uh, uh, these two in particular for a good five or 10 years now, I think closer to 10, uh, and every single year they're always at the top. Um, so I definitely would love to shout them out just because you know, they are, uh, going to be, you know, best for, for anyone starting, um, uh, anyone who's, you know, interested in email marketing, uh, and anyone who's also a data, data nerd. So, um, the first one of the two, probably the one that I'd recommend definitely most strongly for anyone just starting out or, you know, anyone who isn't, uh, at that state where they can go ahead and hire an agency, uh, which would be Klaviyo. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. Uh, it's K-L-A-Y-I-V-O. Um, and it's, yeah, just a really simple to use platform. It has, uh, literally everything you can imagine as far as, you know, being able to gather that data off your website, go ahead and create those automations you're speaking to, um, and just make sure you have a good, solid foundation for, you know, whatever you intend to do in your email marketing program. Uh, and then the other would be iterable. It's, uh, it's much more data intensive. I'm not necessarily sure if it would be the best for someone just starting out just because it's so robust to the point of, you know, even some agencies out there not using its full capability, but, you know, if, if I were to recommend any platforms to anyone just, you know, doing it on their own, definitely these two. Um, I think honestly, ever since the Shopify MailChimp split, I probably, you know, you, you're going to be missing some data there. So probably wouldn't recommend uh, Monkey, Monkey Sun, MailChimp. Um, but uh, yeah, Clavio is definitely going to help you there. It's going to give you all the tools that you need. Um, okay. Yeah. And we'll link, uh, we'll link those in the show notes if you want to check those out and see if they're a good fit for you. Now, Andre, you brought up, uh, that a well-designed email when it's done correctly will outperform a, a poorly designed email. Cause one of the questions I was going to ask you is graphics intensive emails versus plain text. Cause I know that was a big debate for a long time. It's like, well, if you send an email and it feels like your pen pal sending you an email, it's more likely to be read and consumed versus the ones that look like full page magazine ads. But I know just because somebody anecdotally might've seen that doesn't necessarily mean that's wholly true. Uh, so walk me through that. What are the kind of the benefits of going with a fully designed email versus a plain text and vice versa? Cause they each do different things well. Um, so someone listening can figure out what's the best approach for them and their goals. I just love for you to break that down. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why uh, we don't necessarily ever recommend one or the other. We actually uh, send out a number of different types of emails. Um, the fully designed one being one of them, uh, plain text being another. We also very frequently send emails that are designed, but we call them hero only because of the fact that they literally are extremely short and kind of the hero is the entire email. Uh, it's more of a, a poster rather than a proper email that you, you get a lot of, uh, buzz out of. And just to give a couple of examples here, if you're going to have a BOGO on your website, something that you only do once yearly, let's say for Black Friday, you're not going to want to have a gazillion other things for people to read, get bored by, and potentially navigate away from if you're having that BOGO. Let's stick to a hero only, buy one, get one free, 
big, large call to action. Uh, you click on it, you go to the website, you buy yourself something nice. Um, if you want, however, to, let's say, I don't know, you know, founder stories or founder written uh, emails have kind of uh, um, gotten to be a bit too cheesy lately. I think a lot of people are abusing those. So we are definitely uh, trying to guide our clients away from those types of emails, although they still have their time of or end place. Um, but let's say you're a B2B company, you're somebody somebody selling drones. Uh, you would want to probably be able to personify the salesperson a little bit better than a fully designed email could. And so making sure that those emails are either plain text, the way you were phrasing them, or at the very maximum, I would say, have the company logo as a header, and then it's you actually quote unquote, writing the text to the person you're emailing would probably be a bit more efficient than just something that's highly designed, magazine looking, they would feel like they're on a list uh, for email marketing per se, they might not have signed up for or maybe forgotten that they did. And so uh, the plain text is definitely going to be a lot more efficient for your kind of salesperson approach, for your approach that wants to maybe communicate something that's a bit more personal, a bit more heartfelt for that one brand. Um, now, obviously, if you want, if you're a clothing brand, you're going to uh, find it pretty uh, tough to to convert people by sending uh, plain text emails, although we have done it in the past. And again, there is a time of and place for every single type of email. But I would probably say just use best guidance, best, uh, best uh, um, judgment on, on some of those things. I think that as long as you feel like it's a good fit for the purpose that you are intending it, that email to, to achieve, um, your customers will feel that as well. Um, so that's why there's not really a, a, an umbrella answer here that covers everything. I think you need to get specific and need to understand what you're trying to achieve with every single one of those emails. Well, and, and even taking the time to test different formats, right? So if you always send plain text, experiment with creating some more graphic intensive ones where yeah. you're following those practices, linking out things like that so that you have your own data to look at. Exactly. Uh, Cause it's also true. Like what works for one company exactly. might not work to the same degree for yours. You're preaching to the choir. It's something that we keep <laughs> saying for such a long time. You know, in, in every single lead pitch that we have out there, we just tell people that we are doing an AB test with every single email. It's so easy with today's software to set something like that up that not doing so is just a missed opportunity. We are shocked to see how many brands out there aren't really doing much testing at all. And, um, you know, we've been doing it for the past five years. I think if we haven't ran 10,000, 20,000 A-B tests, we haven't done a single one. So um, even with all that benchmark data, obviously we have a knack, we have a, a database of what we know works the best. But even with all of that database and uh, information behind us, we still have data points that uh, contradict what we know every single day. And so we always like staying on, on our toes and adjusting to not just how every single brand differs, but also how the different uh, life changes that we all go through. And I'm going to, I know it's already a, a, a talking point that's been uh, digested by quite a few times over. Uh, but COVID coming around actually changed a lot of buyer behavior. And we've seen email 
practices and email expectancies in terms of uh, order rates, in terms of open rates, change quite heavily from pre-COVID to during COVID to post-COVID. So it pays to always uh, keep an eye out for, for data and see what it's telling you because you might be wrong in your assumptions. Yeah, and that's a great pivot because the next thing I want to talk about was how do you measure a campaign's effectiveness? Because you know, it used to be, oh, well, if you're in this kind of window with an open rate, you're doing good. If you're in this window for a click-through rate, you're doing good. And then when the iOS update, it was like, man, everybody's opening my emails now. No, Apple's just not telling you if they open them or not. Uh, You know, so platforms are always shifting around, but internally, what are the measuring sticks that you use to determine if a campaign is working for a client or not? I'm thinking specifically within the email itself because you know obviously if you're measuring it by how many sales we generated from clicks from this email then there's more variables there like well how did your checkout convert and how did your products match the segmentation and things like that but when you're just looking at the emails themselves what are the metrics that you look at and and where do you expect a high performing email to land in general knowing it'll obviously shift if you're e-commerce versus b2b but like what are the general ballparks people can expect to look for oh so man i feel like every answer of mine says it depends it really depends um so it does unfortunately or fortunately so every single platform or i'm sorry every single company is so different that you know what they have have historically been doing what their product is this all has to be taken into account so you know for one company we'll see maybe you know, a 60% average click rate being standard for them, which is, you know, wild for another company. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think Clavio's most recent benchmarks are somewhere around 35% open rate is what you should expect. But then again, it depends on the industry. So, I mean, again, you know, there's so many factors at play that you never have a single good way to determine, you know, what is best. And you should never measure yourself or your company against, you know, just the general populace either. You should always, you know, look at the industry and more than that, look at your own business and your historical data and then try to improve upon that. So I know it's a non-answer answer, but again, you know, just always aim to improve, uh, you know, in business and in life. You know, that's that's something we should always look forward to. Um, and then uh, I forget the rest of your question. So Andre's going to Yeah, help. no, I, I definitely can help there. You know, <laughs> Apple coming around is uh, definitely through a curveball there. But if you think about it, SMS never had open rates to begin with, right? And you were still uh, able to track whether or not your SMS campaigns were successful. And so we're taking the same gauges uh, in what we do here as well. First off, we look at benchmark data. There's a lot of benchmark data out there. And if you're underperforming your competition, you're underperforming. That's pretty black or white. Um, Now, in terms of open rate specifically, now you can do a lot of things to gauge the true open rate rate of your um, uh, email sends nowadays, even excluding Apple and kind of gauging the rest of the audience or looking at Apple. Then there are a couple of tricks that we uh, hold close to heart here to actually be able to tell which Apple open was a real Apple open and which Apple open was that um, generated by a proxy email address. So that's an interesting, more uh, nerdy discussion for probably another time. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say just look at benchmarks and look at month over month and year over year trends. As long as you're uh, outperforming what you were performing the last few months over, you're probably on the right track to to greatness there. And are open rates and click through rates the two uh, basic? Uh 
indications that you're looking to improve? I mean, basic, sure. And there's a lot of A-B testing that we do around those just to make sure that we do get people onto the website. But ultimately, it depends, uh, I'm sorry, on the goal you're meaning to achieve with your email. Maybe it's more brand awareness rather than conversions. So click rates don't really matter. Uh, as long as you get kind of real reporting type open rates that are closer to, let's say, 35 to 40%, it means that your email uh, achieved its purpose. Now, if you're looking for sales, obviously average order value, um, sale kind of order rates are going to be the, 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 the guiding lights. I think click rates are a little bit overrated um, because of the fact that you don't truly know what you achieved with that click. And, you know, I'm just going to uh, throw a, a funny little reference here because we we ran some Facebook ads for ourselves not too long ago and we got a ton of click through. Like, I, if I recall correctly, we probably got like 5,000 people to our website, but not one single outreach to our form to tell us who they are and what they were there for. So I don't know if they were grandmas knitting, if they were people just looking around for the next <laughs> best thing. I, I, I have no clue, but click-through rates can sometimes be deceiving for sure. Yeah, I've, I've definitely noticed that too, where it's like, oh man, I got all these clicks and then nothing happened. Uh, okay, well then... They weren't the right kind of clicks. Maybe I had the wrong incentive, the wrong call to action for what I actually wanted them to do. Uh, so yeah, I think that's that's really that's really smart. So w when you're thinking through A/B testing emails, what are the what are the key things that you're testing? I imagine subject lines are a pretty common test where you want to see what do we need to tell someone to get them to open and engage with the email. Is it composition of the email? Is it the content? Like what level of A-B testing are you typically doing? Because if you test everything at once and then one works and one doesn't, you're like, well, well, which one was it? Which of the five tests that we ran is the thing that put it over the top? So I'd love to hear your process for how you approach A-B testing to know that you can not only see different results and be able to make determinations, but also drill down to what is working so you can focus more in those areas. So we have a slew of A-B tests that we run. Uh, we have an internal document someone that has over 100 different types that you know, we'll run. Eventually, we'll get to all of them, you know, if we have a client for long enough. Uh, but I think it'll take years to get there. Um, but as far as EBTS go, you know, we always want to make sure that we're really understanding if something is a winner. So, you know, in, off, in, in quite a few cases, we'll see ourselves running the same EB test, you know, three, four, five times just to make sure that, hey, you know, even, there, even though there was a marginal difference on one or two of those tests, there was a much bigger difference, you know, on, you know, the third, fourth, and fifth. And then from there, you know, we go ahead and say, hey, you know, this test definitely is a winner. We're going to go ahead and leverage this as much as we can moving forward. Um, that being said, you know, you also don't want to just silo yourself within a winning determinant of a test because lo and behold, you know, a few months later, maybe even a year later, it's the entire, you know, exact opposite just based on a whole new context within your list. So, um, yeah, A-B testing is a deep, I wouldn't say dark, a deep rabbit hole, a really fun place to go. Um, but as far as a few good A-B tests just for, you know, a new business to run or someone who doesn't have an agency, um, start with the lowest hanging fruit. Really, um, testing subject lines is always a very quick and easy one. Um, we oftentimes test, you know, just the text within the message, the way that the text is framed, you know, question versus statement. Um, sometimes as far as, you know, the CTA text, you know, what that's trying to invoke within the customer as well. Um, and it just goes from there. Uh, it's It's very 
Email is nice in that you can test literally anything you can think of. And so we've thought of quite a bit of stuff. Um, I think there's maybe one client all time that we've exhausted our list uh, and just, you know, begin retesting from the beginning again. Yeah. And to add another couple, because uh, we are frequently hearing these maxims from a lot of our clients of, oh my God, I've read somewhere that Wednesdays are the best days. Test what are your best days for sending and uh, try to understand that data, not just from an open rate perspective, because open rate would be why, uh, would be the winning determinant basically in a, in a send day type A-B test. Um, but look at revenue numbers as well. Maybe people open a bunch on Wednesdays, but don't purchase for the life of them and they do purchase on Thursdays or Fridays. So make sure that you look at the data from different angles as well. Uh, so just the couple that I wanted to add to the list would be best send day throughout the week and best send time throughout the day. Because again, a lot of maxims are uh, thrown out, out there with regards to what are the best send times. And actually, I don't recall three clients live to date where the best send times were exactly the same. So that goes to say a lot about uh, some of these maxims that you can read out there. No, I, I totally agree. It's like, oh, yeah, if you're sending B2B, make sure you, it's available first thing in the morning when they first log in. But then I also know people, well, if you wait 30 minutes when they're sitting in their computer, it'll pop up at the top of their inbox when they're reading their email. It's like, well, which one is it? I don't know. Try both, right? Um, now, when you're capturing this data, how do you, like, what would an internal process look like for, okay, we just ran an A-B test. We got some data. We want to capture it in order to implement implement it moving forward. Is that just like throwing it in a Google Doc of here's our processes or here are our lessons learned? Like, how do you actually take that data and make, make it actionable moving forward if this isn't like the only thing that you do in your core expertise? Yeah, it's a big item. And honestly, we are a bit protective about that. It's a bit proprietary the way we do it here. Uh, but the key of it is to figure out a process that allows you within a minute, literally, to understand exactly what are your best open times, best open days, best types of subject lines. Like you need a process that, I don't know, maybe categorizes them somehow and you get the result you're looking for. I think there are a million tools out there that can achieve it. But again, the way we do it is a little bit our own. So we're a bit productive about that. Sure. So if you want their unique proprietary process, you'll have to reach out to them and, and, and work with them. That's the, that's the core takeaway. Yeah. Uh, as you should. <laughs> so uh, one more question uh, before we wrap up. Is there anything that I haven't even thought to bring up? Uh, questions I haven't asked, things that you're seeing that are really important for a business owner that wants to get more serious about email marketing that you want to make sure that you communicate. What have I missed, I guess, in, in this interview? Yeah, I've got a really big one because, you know, it's crazy, but even in 2023, uh, there are very many businesses and unfortunately very many even industries or verticals out there that don't do email at all. So I think the biggest question uh, that needs to be asked is what percentage of revenue from my overall business should I be expecting from email? And the answer obviously depends a ton on industry, on your vertical, on how you're selling your product and what AOV you have and what type of product you're actually selling. Um, but the answer we've found throughout the years is anywhere between 15 and all the way up to 45, 50% of your overall business revenue yearly can be driven uh, by email. So 
if you're not doing email or if you're doing email in a lazy way, you're probably leaving a lot of cash on the table. So I would definitely encourage you to get a bit more serious about that. Um, whether you hire a freelancer or 10 or whether you decide to go for an agency, which is definitely going to give you a lot more bang for the buck, no matter how good that freelancer is. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's probably the primary question I would ask. No, that's a great question. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, well, of course they're doing email, but no, not everybody is. So I definitely appreciate that. Uh, now, somebody's listening to this and they want to learn more about you, about what you do, about what your ag- what your agency does. Where's the best place to go to learn more about Code Crew, to learn more about the kind of clients that you work with, uh, to take that next step? Where should uh, they go? I'd say our website. We have a pretty nice one. We try to keep it updated and nice and uh, clean and fancy. Uh, it's CodeCrew.us. Um, but we're also really hip really cool guys um we're on all the social media so you can always follow us or you know just reach out to us on what we got instagram facebook twitter and linkedin uh on instagram and facebook we're codecrew.us uh on twitter we're at codecrew.us and linkedin we're codecrew.inc um and oh bonus uh if you go ahead and you know come through the lead pipeline reach out to us so that you found us on this podcast we'll give you a 10 percent discount so go ahead and uh yeah mention that on marketing podcast Let's talk. Awesome. Awesome. Hopefully we get a couple through there. Uh, that would be great. Well, Andre, Alex, thank you so much for your time sharing all your expertise. I know I personally learned a lot and I know our uh, listeners did as well. So my number one takeaway from my conversation with Andre and Alex was to not neglect A-B tests. It's so easy to just send an email out without really any kind of strategy or intent but then not have a measuring stick to determine if it worked or not or how well it worked. So you can compare it to previous campaigns, see what's working, see what's not, and then lean into the things that are working. So you're not having to make the same mistakes over and over again. You can build on the experience that you gain over time as you send more emails. So definitely make sure that you're split testing, that you're capturing the results from those tests and then implementing them moving forward to get the best results. Now, if you want to connect with them, uh, you can go to codecrew.us. Make sure you mention you heard them here on the podcast to get 10% off if you end up being a good fit and take them on as a client of yours. Uh, but yeah, just so grateful for their time and their expertise and sharing it here on the podcast. I know that you learned a lot as well. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And as always, be honest. 